0: are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your
1: team every day.
0: Hello New York Giant fans, welcome to another edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On podcast family, your team every day. You're with Patricia Trana I cover your New York Giants for a variety of places. Follow me on Twitter at Patricia underscore Trena, where you can see links to all my work. Ask me questions, we've got a big Twitter Tuesday podcast. Uh, program coming up tomorrow so make sure you get your questions in tag them ask p train and for today's show we have on the line emery hunt of football game plan he's a favorite of yours you guys have told me that you love having him on i love having him on really knowledgeable and uh we're here to talk about the draft now you guys heard me on sunday you heard my two cents about the draft picks and now I'm going to put Emery on the spot and see what he has to think about the uh, the draft picks. Emery, thanks so much for coming on. I'm really looking forward to getting your your two cents on these picks.
1: Pat, as always, I appreciate you bringing me on. It should be fun. I, I mean, I can't wait.
0: All right. Well, my friend, let's jump right in. Let's start off with the the surprising. I thought it was a surprising decision here. The Giants on the clock at number six. They have Josh Allen sitting right there. Right there, Emory. All they had to do was reach out, put that card in, and he would have been theirs. They take Daniel Jones. What did you think of that decision?
1: I thought that was probably the worst decision of the first round. Um, and I don't think it was because they didn't take Josh Allen, who was there. It was because they took Daniel Jones. Had they taken Dwayne Haskins, I don't think you know everybody would have had the same—everybody would have been okay with going quarterback at six. Now, I do understand if you like a guy, take him. You know, you don't want to game the, the draft and try to wait until, you know, pick 17 to take your quarterback. If you like a quarterback, take a quarterback. That just so happened they liked the wrong one or or one that isn't as talented as Dwayne Haskins. And, and I think that's what's causing the big uproar. It's not the fact that they didn't take jo- uh, Josh Allen. It's the fact they took Daniel Jones over— Josh Allen or Daniel Jones over Dwayne Haskins. That's been the biggest hiccup. I think after that pick, um, the Giants really did well. It's just everyone is still focused on pick six, and it was a big one. And I think that really tarnished what, in people's eyes, what they see of this draft. Because outside of that pick, they had a really good draft.
0: Yeah, I, I thought that, you know, overall, Emery, if I had to give this draft a grade, and I'm not a big fan of giving the drafts grades this early without seeing the guys, but I think based on, you know, the talent they assembled, the value they got, you're talking about a B plus at least on this draft. But, you know, sticking with the Daniel Jones pick for a moment here, you know, he is the quarterback moving forward. You know, you did I know you did a lot of work on the quarterbacks. I know you felt that Haskins was the best of the bunch. What are the Giants getting in Daniel Jones?
1: If I had to give a, a ceiling floor type of, of of range, his ceiling is Ryan Tannehill. To me, his floor is sort of Blake Bortles-esque. Um, good athlete, can make some good decisions. He's streaky. Uh, he can get himself out of a jam, but he does have an injury, injury history. He's not as consistently accurate with the football And puts the ball in harm's way. If he was that dude at Duke, Duke would have won a lot more games. And people are quick to say, oh, he didn't have a lot of weapons. He didn't have this. Duke is a power five team in the ACC. They have some talent. Sometimes you just have to supersede what's out there. Every quarterback has drops. Every quarterback has offensive line issues. But he has the talent to to get out of that because he's a, a, a tremendous athlete. He just wasn't as good. And when you look at his talent juxtaposed to uh, over the course of the, his time there, it just kind of was more of the same. He didn't get better every year. He actually kind of stayed the same, and in some cases he got worse. So I think at best he can be a Ryan Tannehill type, and we saw Ryan Tannehill just consistently go 7-9, 8-8 eight eight throughout the course of his time in Miami till eventually enough to where they ran him out of town. We don't know if Daniel Jones is even better than Kyle Oletta. That's going to be interesting to watch throughout camp.
0: Yeah, that's interesting, you know, because the the assumption now is that Kyle Laletta is going to be the one, you know, the odd man out. Um, I'm not so sure of that. I think it's going to come down to Lalletta and Tanny, you know, because the criteria obviously is, you know, they want somebody who's had NFL experience. And if you look at the two quarterbacks there, they both have about the same amount of experience. It's just that, you know, Tanny has been around a little bit longer than Lalletta, but, you know, just again, going back to Daniel Jones, Emery, How much do you see of Eli Manning traits in Daniel Jones? Or are they two totally different, you know, quarterbacks?
1: They're two totally different quarterbacks, man. I I mean, here's what people forget about. And I'm old enough to to know this. Uh, People forget how good Eli Manning was at Ole Miss. And can you name any one of Ole Miss's receivers at that time? You can't. And Eli stepped in and they became relevant. And Ole Miss has... You know, gaps in their football history where they don't have success. And you talk about Eli Manning at Ole Miss. I mean, he had some big games where they beat big teams, um, had Ole Miss what a 10-win team one time, and that's rare for Ole Miss. So Eli Manning was really good in college um, and, had, and showed that knack for what he showed early in his career with the Giants, the, that, that knack for bringing the team back, coming back in, in a uh, clutch game, clutch moments, making crucial throws, you didn't see any of that from Daniel Jones. And even if you want to use the senior bowl as an example, when there's no blitzing, no pressure, nothing like that. I know you don't want to count dropped interceptions, but on his first touchdown drive, Juan Thornhill, the safety dropped the interception that hit him in the stomach, you know? So Daniel Jones is just not that good of a player in my opinion. And, you know, he could, and I'm not saying this to complete, completely badger the the guy, um, because I'm pretty sure he worked hard to get to where he is, and to even do what he did at Duke was was admirable, but it wasn't different than Anthony Boone, wasn't different than uh, Thomas Sirk, wasn't different than um, what they had with Sean Renfrey, or was it different than what they had with the, with the other guy that, that was in the league So uh, from Duke? So Cutcliffe has had some quarterbacks from Duke the last 10 years. All of them have kind of fit the profile, been the same guy. And Daniel Jones, to me, just it fits right into what we've seen come out of Duke uh, during Cutcliffe's tenure.
0: Now, with that all said, Emery, what do the Giants need to do in terms of either tweaking the scheme, in terms of the talent they need to put around Daniel Jones for when the time comes, in order to ensure he has the best chance for success?
1: Well, they have a lot in place. The offensive line is, is better. Um, they have a great tight end in, in Ingram, great options on the perimeter, even without Odell Beckham Jr., who is a fantastic player. He's elite, but they got good weapons around him. They got a dynamite tailback in Saquon Barkley from the looks of this draft. This defense should be good. Um so everything is in place for him to to have success. All he has to do is some is, you know, obviously what he didn't do at Duke. He has to play consistent. Like you can't play 79 football with a team that's talented you saw this happen with uh you know with russell wilson and the seahawks when the seahawks people always made it out to be the run game and defense but they were 79 8 and 8 prior to russell wilson with the same personnel they add russell wilson first year uh 12 and 4 i believe or 10 and 6 something like that they go to the playoffs second year super bowl third year super bowl so a quarterback can if, if he's good Can instantly change the fortune of a team that's already stacked with talent. So, like I said, that Seahawks team was 79, 8, and 8 the two years prior with all those pieces they had. Legion of Boom was already there. They just needed somebody to be a difference maker at the position. And so, you look at this Giants roster, I think they're well on their way to being a complete team. You know, we're going to see if Eli can get it done this year. And if not, you know, do you turn the, the keys over to Daniel Jones? One thing I know for sure. The fans won't be calling for the backup this year if Eli struggles.
0: Yeah, that, that'll that be interesting to see, you know, because right now the fans obviously not, you know, um, some of them are, are, are you know, I shouldn't say all the fans. I shouldn't I shouldn't say that. But, you know, certainly the loudest ones are the are the biggest critics who are saying that the Giants totally blew it. And I just don't think you can make that determination For at least three, four years, uh, you know, and and they're going to have Jones under contract, you know, for four years, they'll have the option you're on his contract. So I, I just think people need to take a deep breath. The draft is done. There's no going back. There's no changing it. We can sit here and we can cry all we want over it. It's not changing anything, folks. So, you know, my advice is you don't have to like it. You don't have to agree with it. If you don't care for the decision that that the team is making, you know, there are 31 other teams you could always go and root for. So, you know, but complaining is just not going to change anything. Now, Emery, let's let's look at the other two um, first round picks. Dexter Lawrence, who they got at number 17 overall, and then DeAndre Baker, the cornerback out of Georgia, who they traded up to get um, number 30 overall. They traded their second pick. And uh, I believe that they also traded away, um, I want to say, what was it, second pick, a fourth pick, and, and I think a fifth, one of their fifths. So what did you think of those two picks?
1: I actually like the players, man. Dexter Lawrence was my number one nose tackle prospect in this class, and people viewed him as just a, a run-stuffer, but I think that's what he was asked to do at Clemson. He made a lot of the things go for these other guys along the defensive line uh, that were able to get drafted in the first round. I think he does have ability to pressure the pocket because he's so strong at the point of attack, and that's one underrated part of his game that I think we're going to see a lot of this year. And when we were at the, the pre-draft presser, and I asked a question, if you remember— about his battery and how you have to be strong right down the middle. And when Gettleman answered the question, he talked about the safety. He talked about the inside backer. He skipped over defensive tackle and then went to, you know, Saquon Barkley and and quarterback. Um, That's why I knew he was going to go defensive tackle. They knew they didn't have a guy right then and there that could be a foundation piece in in the middle of their defense. Lawrence makes a ton of sense, made a ton of sense, and DeAndre Baker, we we knew this going in. I actually tweeted this. out. Was like, after that presser, I said, don't be shocked that the Giants come away with three first round picks to find a way to get back into the first round because of what Gettleman said at that presser and talked about how he's never traded down or never traded up. He's been tra- he's traded down before, but never traded up. And it, he just had a certain way he said it that led me to believe that he was going to trade up in this draft. And he went and went ahead and got DeAndre Baker. Now some people wanted Greedy Williams. But it's all about whether you have a guy on your board. And what I like about Baker is that he has ball skills. He doesn't miss opportunities to take the ball away. That's huge. Gets the ball back to your offense and allows you to close out games. So I actually like the the other two first-round picks the Giants had on Thursday.
0: Um, It's interesting, Emery, because Lawrence, uh, you know, a defensive tackle, um, I said leading up to the draft that I felt that the Giants were going to go for a player who could push the pocket in the middle. And I, and I think back to, you know, last year, how many times did, you know, maybe they got some pressure on the edges, but the quarterback was able to squirt up through the middle because there wasn't a push on the pocket. And, you know, Gettleman pretty much confirmed what I, what I, you know, was thinking going into the draft. Um, You know, I like that pick, Uh, you know, right now people, you know, the knock on him is that he's a two down player. I don't know if eventually he's going to develop into a, you know, a three down player, but I like the fact that they have a big body in there. I'm just curious to see though, how they stack up that defensive line, Um, you know, with Tomlinson and BJ Hill, who remember they moved into supposedly the correct positions after they traded snacks
1: yeah I mean that's one way that's one way to look at it. I also look at how you know you you can't go wrong when you're adding beef up front and and those type of guys I think especially when you're looking at let's say Dexter Lawrence Lawrence is your your quintessential nose tackle with quickness. Tomlinson can play a, a five and we saw Hill do a great job of applying pressure himself uh in that defense so I think all three kind of can can play at the same time. Um, you, you get a lot back of what you lost when you lose Snacks Harrison with with Lawrence. So I think this was a good move by the Giants. I, I will be interested to see how both he and Thomason pair together. You saw how good they were when Thomason was next to Snacks on that defensive line. They were really good, especially when they also had Hankins, too. Uh, so I think getting Lawrence back and getting Lawrence in the fold just kind of helped strengthen them along the, the, front, uh, the front wall, the, the front three which then allows them to work on the second level, which is why you saw Shane Zeminis uh, go in, in round three uh, to the Giants.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, and, you know, with the cornerback, uh, just just to flip over to the cornerback for a, se- for a second, Emery, you know, three cornerbacks, or I actually say defensive backs, because Ballantine um, uh, is actually, I think, a a, a multi-purpose guy uh the the sixth round pick who unfortunately uh today uh, or last night i should say as we record this was the victim of a of, of a shooting um he is expected by the way to to survive the shooting unfortunately his teammate and his good friend um Dwayne clemens i think it was i think you know i, I think he uh, i think that was the young man's name unfortunately he lost his life so condolences out to the washburn community um, for, for their, you know, for the tragic loss of, of Clemens and also, you know, best wishes to Ballantine to uh, make a speedy recovery. But anyway, to, to get back on point, cornerback, they went for three cornerbacks or defensive backs in this draft. Did that surprise you at all?
1: Not at all, man. That's one in, in my mock draft. I think I gave them three defensive backs. Uh, I think I gave them a safety in two corners because they were re- really thin in, in that regard. And the guys they brought in were, again, it's a, a similar thing, which I love, uh, Jabril Pappers, ball skills, DeAndre Baker, ball skills, Julian Love, ball skills, Ballantyne, ball skills, and the fact that Ballantyne also has you has um, special teams value as a returnman. So there's another added benefit for the Giants on the back end, like you talked about. He's going to probably be a safety hybrid corner, uh, so that gives you a little bit – of something that they lack when um, Dominic rogers Cromarty left the building. So love what they did in the secondary. I think the secondary went from a weakness. I know you're counting a lot on rookies, but I think the secondary went from a weakness to a strength on his, on his football team.
0: Yeah, I agree with you, Emery. Let's take our first break here. When we come back, we've got a few more uh, guys we've got to talk about. So we'll be right back, folks. Hey, Giant fans. Hiring qualified candidates can be challenging, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. A place where growing businesses connected to qualified candidates. That place is ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply for your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of the employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through their site within the first day. And right now, listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ziprecruiter.com slash locked on. That's ziprecruiter.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, ziprecruiter.com slash locked on. Zip Recruiter, the smartest way to hire. Welcome back to Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. You're with Patricia Trina and special guest Emery Hunt of Football Game Plan. You guys love him. I love him. Brings a wealth of knowledge to the program every time he's on. And I'm so glad to have him on to talk about the Giants class of 2019 and emory we started to talk a little bit about uh the, the later round picks uh day two day three let's so let's you know jump into that you know you mentioned at the top of the program um uh ziminez uh he was chosen uh 30 uh third round 95 overall julian love a cornerback out of notre dame chosen in the fourth round number 108 overall your thoughts on those two guys
1: Zimenez is, uh, you know, he reminds me a lot of, of what they have already in Lorenzo Carter, long, lanky, athletic uh, edge rusher that that has power, very underrated power. And Zimenez has worked with, um, you know, Chuck Smith, who's a fantastic defensive line coach and uh, pass rushing technician. So I know he's going to get Ziminez's hands right. He's going to get him right to where he's going to hit the ground running. And I so I, I liken his game to Lorenzo Carter. Both guys are edge setters that can really stop the run. And Zeminis is probably a little bit more of an advanced pass rusher than Carter. But you add both guys together and you have a really solid foundation on the edge. And Love, like I said before, he was actually my number two corner. I, I break down corners in boundary, field side, and uh, slot corners. And he was my number two boundary corner because of how well he's able to press, because of his instincts and ball skills. And again, when you have cornerbacks that, that have just as good of a chance to catch the ball as a receiver, that makes you very dangerous because now as a quarterback, you have to be consistently accurate and your placement has to be on point. Otherwise, it's going to go back the other way. Love is a guy that can definitely take the ball away. I'm a big fan of what he brings to the table. So those two guys to me are were really good picks um, for the Giants.
0: And what about um, the inside linebacker they got from Wisconsin, Ryan Connolly? Now, if we're breaking down these picks and guys who I think would qualify as head scratchers for me, um, and and I I feel bad saying this because you got to see them on the field, you got to see them practice, but... When I read the scouting reports and when I started to do my film on Connolly, for some reason I saw Nate Stupar version too. Maybe I'm being a little too harsh on the guy. I don't know. Maybe I'm not being fair to either man. But what did you think of that pick?
1: Special teams pick. I I honestly thought, you know, this is a depth pick, a guy that's going to either push Stupar out or he'll be a practice squad candidate. I I just don't, on film, there were, there wasn't a lot of eye-popping, Wild wow plays, in my opinion, you know, plays where you say, "Okay, this guy is a thumper; he can he can easily step in." um I felt like there were other guys on the board at that position that they could have gone with, but I think Connerly is probably Connerly is going to be a uh, special teamer.
0: Yeah, that was a pick that you know I, I'm not going to say was a head scratcher for me, but you know, when I started looking at the film memory, I, I got to be honest with you, uh, I I was like, uh, I'm not sure what this kid's going to bring to the table yet, but you know, maybe, you know, maybe he challenges B.J. Goodson. I, you know, I, and, and speaking of Goodson, I mean, I don't think Connolly necessarily is going to challenge Ogletree for the, for a starting job, but could this kid potentially challenge and push out Goodson? And if, if so, where do you see the differences in their style of games?
1: Goodson is a much more instinctive backer, uh, very good versus the run, good in coverage. Connolly has a long way to go to even to, in my opinion, to get in that conversation. I think Goodson, as long as he can stay healthy, is going to be fine in the middle. That's the biggest thing has to stay healthy.
0: Mm, Exactly. I mean, and if not, uh, they also have Ty Ty Davis, I think, plays in the middle, too, for them. So it's one of those off ball linebackers. I mean, where does he factor in into the equation?
1: Well, we saw him get a lot of reps last year. Made the team as an undrafted free agent out of Chattanooga. I know his coach really well. His coach was my – his uh, the D-line coach for Chattanooga at the time was my D-line coach in college, and, and he spoke highly of Tay Davis. And I, I just think that when you look at him and the fact that he made the team as an undrafted free agent and also got significant playing time in a regular defense, they, they really like his potential moving forward.
0: All right. And then uh, moving on to the next pick, they went to a receiver. They finally went offense after going one, two, three, four, five defensive player picks in a row. They went with Darius Slayton, the wide receiver out of Auburn, 6'2", 190, number 171 overall, fifth round pick. Thoughts on that particular prospect?
1: He's like a healthy version of Cody Latimer. You know, He's a guy that has very good acceleration. He can catch the ball and go. He can really uh get a get a step on a defensive back if, if he gets off the line clean. Now, I like his game. I know he had a really good bowl game against Purdue, kind of broke out against the Boilermaker secondary. But overall, Slayton to me was a really good pick. I think he is in line for, um, you know, that that fourth spot. It, you know, a lot of pressure will be on Latimer, a lot of pressure will be on. Uh, Jawil Davis and Russell all those guys that made the roster last year uh, We're were gonna have to compete again. Benny Fowler is another one. So I like Slayton Um, I think like I say his game compares favorably to Cody Latimer So I can't wait to get to camp and see how how these guys uh, get out there on the field and compete
0: and certainly in Slayton You know at six foot two Tall receiver, who, which, you know, the Giants haven't had a whole lot of. I mean, they brought some guys in here and there who have been over six foot tall. But for the most part, you know, the guys who have primarily given them the production that, you know, at receiver, they've been about, you know, six foot or, you know, 5'11", somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, from from a technical standpoint, um, Emery, can you just tell the people what how much of a difference it means for a receiver to have an extra inch or two of the height in terms of the passing game and the advantages that gives a quarterback.
1: Well, there, you know, let's say you want to say on paper, it looks like, okay, six, two tall. He can go up and get the ball. But you know me, I, I'm, I'm a big proponent of size, not being a skill. Cause you have some six, two guys that play like the five, eight. And then you could have some five, eight guys that play like they're six, two. So I do think Slayton plays his height, which is good, because now if you're a quarterback, you can put the ball in, in a certain area and know your guy's going to go up and, and get it. So it helps when you have the, uh, the want to and the, the effort level of, of a guy that, that wants to go and get the football, that attacks the football at his highest point consistently. And I think Slayton does that, uh, regardless if he was 6'2 or 5'2. He, he, ha- he has the right attitude to go up and make a play.
0: All right. And then in terms of, um, you know, also, like you said, against the coverage, a lot of the corners, especially if these guys become like slot corners, um, a lot of times the slot cornerbacks... Are usually kind of on the smaller side, the five tens, five elevens. You very rarely see those tall slot corners, so certainly you can get an advantage there. If there's one thing about Slayton's film that I've seen so far, Amrine, tell me if you agree or disagree. Is he he does a really good job taking the top off of the defense, but those intermediate routes just are just sometimes painful to watch.
1: Well, yeah, it, it takes for guys. That's the other. That's another type of. Um, not a benefit, but almost like a liability for a taller player. You you can't really gear down and get in and out of your breaks as quick as a shorter guy just by simple physics. Like your s- center of gravity is higher. So that's an area where he's going to have to work on, especially coming out that Auburn offense. I know he's going to have to really hammer in and hone in on, on his route running because that's the only way you're going to see the field. And I know receiver coach Tyke Tobert personally and if you don't, if you're not running your routes, you're not seeing the field. And and so I know Tyke is going to, you know, do a great job of of coaching him up and make sure he is going to, you know, hit the ground running in, in that regard. So that's one area where he's going to have to really, you know, tighten up and and be better in order to see the field.
0: And also another uh, knock against Slayton is he's had some concentration drops, which I'm sure will drive any coach crazy.
1: Yeah, and a lot of that it, you could tell if it's let's say if it's a guy that sees the ball late and gets his hands up late and he ends up catching the middle to the back part of the ball that can hurt you because if you get hit at the same time if you're catching like that you're gonna drop a lot of passes or guys that just have that you know i want to get up feel quickly and i misjudge the ball and i want and i get my head around it before i'm able to secure it and you know and and, and you know tuck it away so again concentration is going to be key. The good thing about the NFL is that it kind of forces you to be that, to be, you know, honed in and, and you know, because in college, you don't have to worry about someone behind you taking your job or say if you're a starter, if you're an established starter like he was, you don't really have any threats. Um, but in the NFL, they have no hesitation in letting you go or, or benching you or cutting you. So you really have to focus and hone in. We've seen a lot of talented people come through this building and, you know, haven't made it on the team. You know, because of drops. And so when guys are able to hone in and make it happen, they are rewarded with an opportunity. Travaris King um, would be one that comes to mind. You know, a guy that had those drops, had those issues. And then once he tightened up on it, was able to make the team and have an impact.
0: Exactly. Now, if you had to take a guess right now, and again, I know it's tough because we haven't seen them come in. We, you know, we will see the rookies this weekend when they come in for the mini camp, but you know, that's, that's controlled drills. It's basically glorified scrimmages without the contact. But if you had to project the role for Slayton on this team, what would you think it is?
1: I think it's going to be, you know, the outside role, um, more like a you know, split in. I, that's why I graded him out as a split in. He mm-hmm. could, if he develops quickly, he's the type of guy that could allow Golden Tate to be moved around the formation uh, for Sterling Shepard to, to line up as that Z or maybe even in a slot. If he can step in and, and be a consistent X, which requires you to, to, you know, be precise in your route running, that's a that's a spot where he can he can see himself growing into in this offense because, again, it allows you to move around Shepard and Tate. And, and allow those guys to be move pieces while Slayton can hold his own on the outside by himself.
0: All right. You're listening to Locked on Giants with Patricia Traina and Special Guest Emery Hunt of Football Game Plan. We're going to take our final break and then we're going to continue speaking about the rest of the Giant draft choices. Uh, we got a few more to go and then we'll get some final thoughts from Emery about the class. So do stay with us. Hey, Giant fans, if you've been enjoying the Locked on Giants podcasts coverage leading up to the NFL draft, then I think you're really going to enjoy Inside Football. Inside Football is a newsletter written and published by yours truly. It's the longest running independently credentialed publication devoting cover to cover coverage of your New York football Giants. A 26-issue subscription is available via email and offers monthly coverage during the off-season and weekly coverage starting with training camp through the end of the regular season with playoff coverage included as needed. This month, we're making a special offer available to the Locked On Giants podcast family. We're offering a three-issue trial starting with our April draft preview, which offers a targeted look at prospects that might be a good value and fit for Big Blue. This trial also includes a post-draft analysis and rookie minicamp report, which is published in May, and an OTA full-team minicamp report published in June. For more information, including a link on how to get a free sample issue from last year's coverage, please visit www.insidefootball.com slash locked on. Inside Football, for the best informed Giant fan. Welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked On Giants. You're with Patricia Traina and special guest Emery Hunt. We are breaking down the class of 2019, the Giants draft class. And there were 10 picks gotta admit, Emory, I was kind of surprised that they went with so many picks. I I thought for sure they would do a little more trading, you know, to get up and down the board, but just really the one trade that to get DeAndre Baker in round one. I mean, were you surprised that the Giants made as many picks as they did?
1: Yeah, I thought they were going to come in under double digit picks, but you know, they did trade some uh, to get rid of, but I, I was surprised that they made that many picks because again, like we talked about before, or even brought up at the presser, you know where you're going to fill these spots. You know there's a lot of spots, but I guess they they saw a lot of holes on defense and they filled those picks with those. And I think they did a great job in that regard.
0: Yes, they did. You know, and, and you know, only time will tell how many of these guys really you know step in and and become the players that they're hoping that they'll become. But let's continue our breakdown. Uh, we mentioned him briefly at, at segment one, cornerback Corey Ballantine. Washburn University, I think he uh, uh, he was part of the Senior Bowl, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Cliff Harris, award winner as a small college defensive player of the year. Um, and then I believe the first player from the Washburn University to, uh, to play in the Reese's Senior Bowl. Um, you know, uh, as we mentioned earlier, you know, unfortunately, he, he was a victim of a, a shooting crime out, out in his uh, college community area. And, you know, best wishes to him for a speedy recovery. Unfortunately, his teammate was lost uh, in that unfortunate and inv- senseless crime. So, you know, condolences again to to uh, Dwayne and his family. Um, but let's talk about Corey's skill set, you know, assuming that he's going to be okay to play and contribute, you know, because right now we don't know how serious, you know, his status is or how long he's going to be set back. But this is a kid, I like this pick when it was made, because, you know, this is a kid who played a little bit of down safety, a little bit of in the slot, you know, outside cornerback. Uh, you know, I think he said at one point he played free safety, can do a lot of things. But when you look at him on tape, um, Emery, do you see anything in particular that he does especially well?
1: Yeah, he got, he's got he got good press skills. He can mirror and match with the best of them. And he takes the ball away. I'm telling you, ball skills are, and I look at it a little bit differently I want the corners that can take the ball away. Give me those corners every time. I don't care if you get beat gambling, as long as you're going to come up with more than than uh, more interceptions than you give up touchdowns. I want you on my team, and that's what I like out of Valentine. He's a, he's a very good corner in that regard. Can take the ball away at the Senior Bowl. I thought he held his own at one on one. Two press skills was where he needed to be, considering he's going from Division two to primarily FBS t- competition at the Senior Bowl. Solid week there. Still has the same ball skills, and he could probably play inside as a bigger slot corner, too. So I'm a big fan of this pick. I thought he was going to go a little bit earlier. Giants got him where they did, and it was a steal, in my opinion.
0: Where do you see this kid projecting with the Giants, given the talent that they have and and, uh, the biggest needs and and his skill set?
1: I think he's going to be a nickel corner. I think when you look at, you know, maybe a nickel corner, or maybe when they go to, uh, you know, a, a your 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 dime defense, uh, maybe if they go one backer or some, one linebacker and they have to get another defensive back in there, his competition to me is is going to be more insurance for Sam Bill and, and Grant Haley. They're going to give those guys every opportunity first to be the starter. Uh, Bill's probably going to get the inside track at, at slot corner. But Ballantyne, because of what he is able to do and how versatile he is, he's going to have an opportunity Also, you look at the fact that he's going to be a a player that is going to start out on special teams. He helps strengthen the special teams while he's still competing for one of those starting spots. But he's going to play a lot this year, I believe, because of attrition and because of how talented talented he is. It's going to be hard to keep him off the field.
0: Now, speaking of Sam Beal, you know, obviously they drafted him in in the supplemental round or the supplemental draft last year. You know, he didn't he didn't get much of an opportunity to show what he's capable of doing. I'm sure you studied him on film before, you know, he came out in the supplemental draft. Emory, where would Sam Beal fit into this equation, especially given all the corners that they've added?
1: Um, he would have been a he to me he was gonna be a third round pick, a third round type talent, which is where he ended up going to supplemental draft. Uh injury concern is is, is one. So but if he's healthy, I do think he's going to have the inside track at slot corner. And w- the worst thing that happened for him was missing all of this past season because you gave a guy like Grant Haley, who was a tremendous slot corner uh, guy, had a real good grade on coming out of Penn State, an opportunity to make the team but also contribute. And now he's become a guy that you're like, man, we, we really need Grant Haley out there. He's a pretty good corner, good player. Um, so I think Bill has, has to show a lot this year. I think that's why they went heavy on corner in the draft. They wanted to build the depth, but they also want to make sure, have insurance if Bill can't get back to the form he showed at Mississippi State.
0: But where do you see um you know obviously Jack Rabbit's gonna probably be one of the starting outside cornerbacks. You've just said that you, you project Corey Ballantyne to to maybe be the slot cornerback. So who Becomes that other outside cornerback. Is it going to be Beal, or do you see maybe DeAndre Baker beating him out? And if so, can you just kind of assess where Baker, or you know, or if if you feel Beal's the guy who has the advantage and why?
1: Baker is going to be the outside corner because that's where he played and thrived in college. I think he's a starter uh, day one. I will keep an eye on Janoris Jenkins too, as far as a guy that could be moved because when you look at Julian Love, another one of those guys that you really can't keep off the field. Really good athlete. Um, so you can play them on the boundary side or the field side doesn't matter. And Haley and Bill, I think those guys are, are and also Ballantyne competing for the slot corner duties. So with all of that said, Jenkins may be the one that's on on the trading block, so to speak. And that'll be something to keep an eye on during training camp.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, I, I've been saying all along, I'd be very, very surprised if Jenkins finishes this contract with the Giants. You know, Gettleman said, look, you know, we need him. He's going to train the puppies. I think were his exact words in the press conference. Um, I I just don't know that Jenkins... I, I would be surprised if Jenkins makes it through this year with the Giants, not because he's a bad player, not because, you know, it's anything personal, but when you add all this talent at a position and you have a guy who's, who's got the type of contract that Jenkins has and, you know, let's face it, other than the first year of that contract, due to s- different circumstances, be it injuries or what have you, Jenkins just hasn't delivered, I think, the type of return of investment that th- maybe they're looking for. You know, again, the contract being previously set up by the, the, the prior regime. Emery, let's look at the two seventh-round picks. Uh, got to start off with um, with Big George. Uh, I'm not even going to attempt the last name. I think it's pronounced, let's see, Asafo Ajay. I think it's how it's pronounced, but I'm going to call him Big George because, you know, this this guy, I, I got to tell you, he was an instant hit when he got on the conference call. Just, you know, you, you could tell that, that people just fell in love with him, the personality, but... The personality being one thing, you know, the guy's got to be a mean you-know-what on the field. What do you see in him in your scouting report?
1: That's the one guy I didn't have a report on. Really? Uh, Yeah, so I have to go and do my work on him. I didn't have a report on him, so I can't really comment.
0: Okay, well, he's a guy, you know, offensive tackle. They're projecting him as a right tackle. Now, a lot of people I know were upset. Why didn't the Giants get a right tackle earlier in the draft? And here's a scenario I'm going to float out. This is just me trying to connect the dots. No guarantee that my dots... My doc connecting is going to produce a perfect picture, but my gut feeling is is that they still want to get something done with Mike Remmers, assuming he can pass the physical. If he does pass the physical, I could see Mike Remmers getting maybe a two-year contract, three years at the most, with maybe all the guaranteed money in the first year. Then, in the meantime, just as they're going to let Daniel Jones develop behind Eli, maybe the hope is that, you know, Big George develops behind Remmers as the, the the right tackle. I just would be very surprised, Emery, if if they go with Chad Wheeler again as that starter. I mean, short of unless, you know, they don't get a deal done with Remmers for whatever reason, either he goes and signs elsewhere or, you know, God forbid, he he, he doesn't, complete his rehab in time, but that's how I kind of see it playing out. What do you see for that right tackle spot?
1: I think Wheeler has a, has a good opportunity to make it happen, man. And, you know, again, you want to keep the continuity of the offensive line and that to me led to a lot of problems when they kept reshuffling guys around and adding new pieces, moving pieces out. If they can, if you allow a guy to grow into a role, um, and the other guys know what they are going to get from the guy on one side. Um, it kind of helps everyone develop that cohesiveness that, that really is the linchpin of, a, of offensive line play.
0: All right. And then regarding the offensive line, now here, here's another theory I had. You know, a lot of people go back and they say last year that, they, that the Giants didn't get their money's worth out of Nate Solder. And let's be real, folks. Very rarely does a team get their money's worth out of a, out of a high-priced free agent. I mean, there's a reason why these guys get a lot of money. It's because a team gets desperate and they're willing to throw a few extra bucks than maybe they ordinarily would throw at them. But I often thought, Emery, and tell me if you disagree, that part of uh, Soldier's sh- uh, sl- slow start, if you will, was because he had a rookie next to him, a rookie that he was trying to, you know, help get up to speed. You know, uh, Will Hernandez, very talented player, but he came from a smaller program. You know, the competition wasn't like a Notre Dame or, you know, a Big 12 or whatever. Um, It was a smaller program. And I just got the impression that Solder helped him, you know, in the beginning. And then once Hernandez got up to speed, he was able to kind of focus more on his own work and not worry as much about the kid. On the right side of the offensive line, that's, you know, I, I thought there might be a similar scenario where they're bringing in Zeitler, who's, you know, we know is a pretty good guard. Now they put a youngster next to him and they, they expect the same, but now you have the other, you know, advantage of, or the disadvantage, if you will, Zeitler needing to get to know the, the scheme, you know, kind of get acclimated himself because, I believe the Cleveland offensive line played a different scheme than what the Giants play. I mean, do you see that kind of all factoring into the mix regarding how they might go with with the decision?
1: I think they'll be fine, man. I I, I really do. Zeitler is a good player and good players are going to be good regardless. And I do think because he's next to now a guy and Wheeler who has game experience in the NFL, it's going to make that transition a lot easier. I'd be more worried about Jalapio at the center position, being, being able to remain healthy, that's going to be big for, for the entire offensive front.
0: I'm not so sure. You know, look, I like John H- H- Lapio. Um, I'm not so sure, though, he's going to be the starter. I, I just get the impression that they're going to go with Spencer Pulley at that center spot.
1: And, and that would be a decision that wouldn't be a bad one if they can't trust him to be out there. And, again, you, your guard center the guard has to be strong. And right now – They're good with Zeitler and Hernandez. Center is still a big question mark, and we'll see how that works out uh, throughout camp.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a big key because, look, whether it's Manning, whether it's Jones, they've got to make sure that that offensive line is fortified and that they are doing what they need to do because too often it was just inconsistent to play. They did settle down towards the second half of of, of the season last year, but... The beginning of the season, boy, that was rough. I mean, Eli Manning getting sacked as many times in the first eight games as he had the prior year. That was just really, really hard to to swallow, in my opinion. Final guy I want to talk about from the draft class. Now, this is a pick I wasn't overly crazy about, Emery, because, you know, you look at the tape. And, and you see the skills, you see the size and all the, the you know the measurables and whatnot, but the production just seemed to lack. That is nose tackle Chris Slayton out of Syracuse. What did you see when you studied him?
1: A, a depth guy. you know to me he was he was he was the type of player that fit in um, wasn't the, wasn't the type to stand out per se and just to give a little bit of perspective, looking at my grades here, I graded this year. 40, 40, oh, I'm sorry, 53 defensive tackles. And I also graded 15 nose tackles. Lawrence was my number one nose tackle. Um, and Slayton was my number 37 defensive tackle. So, you know, depth guy, in my opinion, one that is going to be a spot player uh, in the NFL.
0: I wonder if he's going to be able to beat out Pierre Olsen. I would think that would be his primary. Uh, competition for a spot
1: and also one thing that we don't have right now is the official undrafted free agent list because there always are a few gems that could also be a, a you know answer for center it could be an answer for right tackle it could be an answer for uh defensive line we could even see someone be an answer at, at linebacker depends on who they bring in Um, once we get that list.
0: Yeah, very true. And we won't get that list probably until uh, we show up for the media coverage of the the rookie minicamp on Friday. Emery, regarding the cornerbacks, before I ask you, you know, your overall opinion on this class, I just want to go back to something that I had seen on Twitter today. Uh, It was an opinion that I strongly disagree with. I want to get your take on it. Someone opined that the Giants didn't help their pass rush as much as they thought they would. And my counter to that was, I think they did help the pass rush, just not in the traditional way. In other words, no, they didn't add an edge rusher. But what they did was, you know, by adding Lawrence to get push up the middle and getting corners who can cover and hold that coverage and potentially, you know, force a quarterback to hold onto the ball a little bit longer, thus creating a coverage sack, which we really didn't see a whole lot of last year on the Giants that they did help the pass rush. Do you agree?
1: Yeah, and you have to look at a lot of fans don't understand um their roster. You know, you you have to look let's look at a guy like Avery Moss, who had to make a move from defensive end to outside linebacker. And that took a year of learning and getting acclimated. But when you go back to Avery Moss in college at Youngstown State, tremendous pass rusher. That could be an answer. They bring in Marcus Golden. If he's healthy, that's an answer. Zeminis, answer. Lorenzo Carter wasn't asked to do much as a pass rusher at, at Georgia. Now he's a year into this system, and that's another opportunity for him to showcase his pass rushing skills. So, and the way you can help that out is by creating double teams up front because you're going to, by forcing double teams, you're going to create a one on one matchup with somebody. So you have a guy that commands a double team in Dexter Lawrence that means one of these guys Kareem Martin, Lorenzo Carter, Marcus Golden, Jimenez, Moss will have to beat one on one. If you can't beat one on one in the NFL, you shouldn't be in the NFL. So, by them getting better with their defensive line, it like you mentioned, it by as a byproduct is going to help them get better at rushing the passer.
0: And also, again, the the extra cornerbacks being able to cover guys, not let these receivers down the field get open. That was a big problem last year as well. You know, not so much with, with Jenkins, but, you know, you saw it, unfortunately, with Eli Apple in the beginning. You saw it with a few other guys as, as the season unfolded. And that's the big thing because, look. If a quarterback can get the ball out of his hands quickly, and let's face it, oftentimes op- opponents were able to do that. You know, it was a three-step drop and then boom, the ball was out before, often before a lot of the defensive, you know, front was able to get out of their, their stance and, and, and into their blocks. So if you can force that quarterback to hold that ball a little bit quicker, and that's what, you know, that's, that's where the defensive, you know, the back end of that defense comes into. So I definitely think, you know, they, they, Improved the defensive rush at least on paper we have to see how it all comes together but you know to say that they didn't do much to improve it I'm not so sure that's an accurate statement
1: yeah again you got to look at who you have on a roster how the roster is constructed and what they're going to ask guys to do and especially if guys have been in the system now for multiple years they they, they could surprise some out there and, and and get exactly what you're you're expecting them to do uh within your defense
0: all right, Emery. Now I'm going to do we're going to close out with a little exercise which I hope you find fun. Based on the picks that the Giants made, I'm going to ask you for your your opinion in the following categories, all right? So you ready? Yep. All right. Best pick.
1: Best pick would be Dexter Lawrence.
0: Worst pick.
1: Daniel Jones.
0: Okay. Pick that's going to surprise everybody.
1: Julian Love.
0: Pick that's going to disappoint everybody.
1: Daniel Jones.
0: Okay. Rookie of the year.
1: I'd say DeAndre Baker.
0: Ooh, interesting. Interesting. Okay. Pick unlikely or, and you can go with multiple picks here if you have them. Picks unlikely to make the 53-man roster.
1: I would go with Ryan Connolly and Chris Layton.